You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Today on the show, we do not have a special guest. In fact, we kind of just wanted to review, since we just hit episode 50 and our most recent 10 millionaires. But before we get into that, let's just uh, have a little discussion about some of the, the numbers and some of the things that we've learned from these millionaires. You know, to date, we've interviewed enough millionaires, uh, over 40 plus and the total net worth of all these millionaires is over $100 million, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, still, our averages are around $2.8, $2.9 million. In fact, in this last group of 10 millionaires, uh, it's been a little bit less than in previous groups of 10, and it's at $18.7 million. You know, a lot of people always ask us, especially after we just got back from FinCon uh, last week, what, what have we learned from these millionaires? And, and what are some of the similarities and differences? And, you know, one thing that's, that's interesting that we've learned is, is at some point, all of these millionaires had a mentor or somebody that kind of showed them the way, whether it was a parent that showed them how to invest or taught them about personal finance, or maybe they learned from a blog or they learned from, you know, a a friend about what to do and where to put their money. You know, it's been interesting too, for most of the millionaires that invest in securities, they're pretty much in index funds. You know, they don't try to ride the ups and the downs of, of individual stocks they don't try to trade options uh, or futures. And in fact, a lot of them subscribe to, to the Boglehead Investment Guide, which is usually using a, a VTSAX as their primary fund, uh, the Vanguard Total, Market St- Total Stock Market Index Fund, which has been really interesting to, to kind of see as, as that takes shape. You know, the, uh, the Vanguard fund of and family of funds has far outweighed any of any of the other family of funds or individual stocks of, of all these millionaires. Another thing that's interesting too is, you know, we think about these millionaires as, as a group and they're definitely frugal. You know, they definitely got to where they are by living on less than they make, investing and saving, whether it be in real estate or in the market, you utilizing their their retirement accounts and the vehicles that they have available to them, but some of them splurge, whether it be on on meals or on cars. You know, we've had a few that have have bought some sports cars. Uh, one of our guests even bought a Rolex after he won uh, some money in Vegas, and we'll kind of get into that and in, in, uh, in one of the uh, reviews here later. But they're not all they're not all type the penny pincher type. We've had several that have decided to kind of call it quits and, and retire early. Uh, but several that, that say, hey, you know what, I've got a real good lifestyle and I'm going to continue trying to make some money uh, and continue working because I love what I'm doing. And also, there's a few that have actually inherited a little bit of their money too. Uh, but they were very well on their way and had developed those habits of becoming a millionaire and investing wisely prior to receiving any type of inheritance. So it's interesting you mentioned that millionaire with the Rolex. You know, I was thinking about that episode lately, and uh, and it was funny. He he won some money at the casino, and he said, "Hey, this is what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted a Rolex." And he said, "Screw it, I'm going to buy myself a Rolex." And I think that's one thing that a lot of these millionaires do really well. They celebrate some of their achievements, and 
you know, whether that's reaching millionaire status is a big achievement or whether it's paying off debt or, you know, paying off a home, for example, or reaching a certain amount of investments or having a new job or hitting a certain amount in their in their income or salary or buying their first rental property. A lot of these millionaires celebrate achievements. And in coming up, we have an interview with Jamie Masters from Eventual Millionaire. And that's one thing she talks about is celebrating these small successes and and having that be momentum for you to keep going and to keep hitting the bigger goal. Another trend that we notice with these millionaires is their focus and their education. A lot of them are, are extremely focused on what they're doing. And some of that is personal finance and investing. And a lot of that is just in their own individual careers or with their families. They're driven, you know, generally they, they haven't been lazy. Uh, they have goals. They don't all necessarily set goals weekly or monthly or yearly and, and you know, follow them. But they're, they're focused and they know what they want and, and they keep pushing forward. Also, they're educated. Most of them handle their own investments. A few of them that we've talked to do hire a financial advisor. And that's one question we, we typically ask. I know there was a, a review saying, hey, it's, it's interesting to talk if these guys use a financial advisor or do they handle their investments on their own. And typically, for the most part, they're the majority have handled it on their own, although some of them have a financial advisor or friends that look over their investments. But either way, whether they have a financial advisor or not, all the millionaires we've interviewed are educated about their investments. And even if they hire a financial advisor, they're constantly learning and trying to understand what they should invest in, why they're invested in a specific way, if their allocation change, how their allocation became uh, what it is, and maybe anything they can do to get a leg up on their investments. A lot of our millionaires are split between investing in the equity markets and investing in real estate or small business, less so in small business than in real estate. So primarily, I think most of our millionaires have been in either real estate or the markets, maybe like probably more than 75, 25, one or the other. But there are some that are a 50-50 split, but there are some that are pretty much a 90-10 split, you know, 90% in real estate and and 10% in the markets. And so we really see the whole gamut of what these millionaires are invested in. As Jace mentioned, the most popular fund by far is VTSAX the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, and the biggest real estate holdings is just having a single family rental. So if people move into real estate, that's kind of the first direction that these millionaires have tend to gone, tend to go is, is to buy a single family home. So we're, we're also trying to get millionaires on that aren't making a lot of money, don't have high incomes. Uh, we had the custodian on making 40K. That was a big hit. A lot of people that want to learn and hear these stories from these millionaires that have have saved and budgeted and focused their whole lives to to reach millionaire status. And and his story alone was a remarkable story for anyone that hasn't heard it to go back and listen to the custodian episode. And, And he worked for 30 years or so at the same school district and. He was able to save his money and and buy a house and then get married recently and and now have a net worth of over a million dollars. So a remarkable story and definitely remarkable for anybody who reaches millionaire status. So on that note, we also have a teacher coming up whose average salary has been about 80000 through her teaching career and then also a firefighter. So if there's anybody else who, who would like to be on the show to share their story, that's one thing we're trying to tell. That's the goal of this podcast is to tell the stories of millionaires. And we're not looking for the Bill Gates and 
and those of the world. And we're trying to tell the story of the average person, the millionaire next door who's walking down the street and, and you know, nobody knows, nobody recognizes, but this person's worked hard. They've saved their money. They've invested their money their whole life. And, and then they come on the show and say, hey, this is how I did it. This is how I got here. And it wasn't always easy, but this is what I've done. This is how I've invested my money. This is how I've allocated my investments. And and these are the mistakes I've made. Don't make these mistakes. So again, for any new listeners, that's the goal of this podcast is to tell the stories and the strategies of everyday millionaires, everybody who you don't know, but who has been extremely financially successful. Yeah. And with that, you know, we, we also want to uh, have some people on the pod. We've had a couple in the past that aren't quite a millionaire status, but definitely have built the habits and just haven't maybe had the time or had the income yet to, to generate uh, a millionaire status. But if, if you know of somebody or you want to come on the show and you're not quite a millionaire, you know, we are taking a few more interviews of, of people that aren't quite there yet. Uh, and with that also, we're looking for people that, that have a specific, you know, trade or career, whether it be a nurse or a policeman. You know, we're, we know they're out there uh, and we'd love to interview them and, and tell those stories because they're inspiring. You know, like Clark said, that, that this is the goal of the podcast and, and, and kind of Millionaires Unveiled as a whole is to tell the stories and the strategies of all these millionaires. We get emails and, and texts from people and, and conversations all the time about how inspiring it is. You know, and we want to inspire America and the world to, to pr- practice prudent financial habits so that everybody can become, you know, a millionaire or reach that goal of whatever net worth they want to get to because it allows a lot of freedom, you know, whether it be to, to spend your time in a different manner that you want to, whether it might be to help somebody financially, you know, we've had a few guests on that have, that have talked about at this point in their life, now that they've become a millionaire, they can go and help, you know, a widow or they can go and help somebody, you know, with something that maybe they couldn't before. Maybe they can do some free dental work or they can do some free plumbing work uh, that they can donate their time to various causes. And that's really inspiring, you know, to just be able to have that ability and opportunity to give back because you've worked so hard and achieved so much success in your life. So if you know any of anybody, you know, send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com and we'll schedule a time and set up an interview. So without further ado, let's kind of get into the review of, of these last 10 millionaires. So episode 41, we had KT and his net worth was $1.9 million. And the, and the little breakdown of that, he had about 10% in a hedge fund, which was kind of interesting. He's one of the only ones we've interviewed that, that's had some money in a hedge fund. Uh, and he had 30% in real estate crowdfunding, which we didn't mention earlier, but that's kind of one of the, the interesting trends that we've seen with some of these crowdfunding platforms that allow you to invest with less than five and $10,000 is there's been a lot more people that have kind of experimented, whether it be peer to peer lending or it be, you know, real estate crowdfunding, people have been putting in a little bit of money just to kind of see how it works. And and if you aren't familiar with, with how these work, basically you can buy a, a share or a small portion, you know, of a, of a massive syndicated real estate deal. So you might have a little portion of a, of an apartment complex or, you know, maybe on the debt side, it might be funded for a, a single family flip or something. Um, anyway, and KT also had a little bit in cash. He talked about how he how he recently took advantage of, of some of the downturn in the market and had spent a bunch of cash, but he usually carried around 10 to 15%, but at the moment he had 6%. You know, he really started late and we talked a lot about that. 
you know, he was the one that we mentioned that, that went in and bought the Rolex uh, after he won a little bit of money in Vegas at the casino. He also talked a lot about some of the failures he's had. You know, he invested in a restaurant startup that went bust. He lost over $200,000 in a bunch of dot-com stocks that went bust. And so it was really interesting to, to interview him and hear his story and hear his passion, uh, you know, for, for managing money and for taking risks as well. Uh, you know, he started, he was almost a millionaire, uh, had kind of really gotten started on the path, and then he inherited some, inherited some money. And that kind of pushed him over the hump. And he talked a little bit about that and how, you know, it's kind of lessons he learned to to set himself up for that inheritance and what he's going to do, you know, going forward so that he might be able to do that for, for his heirs as well. So episode 42, titled First Million at Age 45, Net Worth of $3 million. Uh, this is an interview with a radiologist. And current net worth of $3 million, like I just said, he hit his first million at age 45, and it's been interesting as we've talked to these millionaires to ask that question, hey, how old were you when you hit your first million? And a lot of them remember, but several of them don't. And and to follow up with that question, sometimes we ask, hey, how did you celebrate hitting millionaire status? And some of them say, eh, life kept going. I didn't really celebrate. I didn't do anything special. Or I, you know, one guy I remember said he looked at his wife over on the couch and said, hey, honey, we just hit millionaire status. And so... Some of these guys celebrate or, or go out to dinner, but a lot of them don't. But it's been interesting to ask that question and to see if they remember the age at, at, at which they hit their their first million. So he hit his first million at age 45 and his second million just two years later. So, of course, he has a higher income from being a, a radiologist, but kind of talks about how he was able to do that so quickly besides just the, the salary piece and what he was invested in. He holds 500000 in his 401k and 500000 in a standard brokerage account. And so we asked him about specifically about his investments there. And, and one thing that he brought up is the mantra that doctors aren't good with money. And so we've talked about this concept a few times on our episode with the White Coat Investor and with a couple other doctors and physicians that we've had on. But he thinks that's changing. He thinks with all the financial education and everything that's out there now and how much easier it's become to invest and to grow your investments and to learn from others that that, that mantra is changing a little bit and that uh, doctors will continue uh, continually learn how to be, to be successful with money. He started making $35,000 in residency and we kind of discussed his range of income uh, through his working life. On episode 43, we had Dora, who's a CPA, and she started out in public accounting and has worked in private accounting as well, and more recently switched over to kind of a better work-life balance. You know, her her net worth is 1.2 at the moment, and that kind of gave her enough financial security, especially with a paid-for $400,000 house that has no mortgage on it, to essentially kind of make the transition to something that was a little bit more satisfying, a little bit better work-life balance uh, for her. She also has a rental property in Florida that she has in a partnership, and she's got a few index funds with all her money in the in the markets, all in index funds. You know, and it, it was an interesting conversation we had with Dora as she kind of related to being a workaholic and really trying to to grow her income and grow her career early in her life. And it kind of gone to that point, kind of started reaping some of the benefits of her success and really wanted to transition uh, to, you know, a better, stable uh, environment and, and went and worked for, for the government and as an accountant. 
And, you know, she's, she's made anywhere between $19,000 to $180,000 uh, through her career, which was kind of interesting because, you know, she, she lives in a very high cost of living area and has still been able to, to do it, especially, you know, she's making uh, great money now, but has had a lot of years of experience. But for a greater portion of her career, she was in a very high cost of living area in the Northeast and was making less than six figures. And she was able to, to get there and, and achieve millionaire status. Yeah, and, and just following up there, it was interesting to talk with her about her work-life balance and, and when she knew knew she wanted to switch jobs and, and why she made that change. And and that's a question that we found continually interested to to ask these millionaires is, hey, when is enough enough? And and what's your work-life balance? And how have you been able to find that? You know, a lot of people grind at the beginning to, to get their income up or to go through med school or to become a lawyer or even just to save if they weren't in a high-paying profession. And so asking about this work-life balance, and and Dora was one that, that opened up about her work-life balance and and kind of unveiling how she made that decision to scale back. And although she reduced her income, she had more time on her own. So episode 44 now is a guest interview with the Dividend Diplomats. And there are two guys, two 20-somethings, Lanny and Bert, who love uh, dividends. They love dividend investing. And so we wanted to bring them on the show and say, hey, what are you guys all about? Why do you invest in dividends? Why do you choose dividends over index funds or real estate? And these guys really unveiled their decisions. They talk about how their goal is to retire off dividend distributions. And so they talk about dividend aristocrats, which are large S&P 500 companies that have increased their dividends for the last 20 years or so. And as mentioned on the podcast, they're big, they're big companies, Johnson & Johnson, 3M, Coca-Cola. And so, again, both of these guys, that's their common goal. And they track their dividend investing online. You can find them at their website, Dividend Diplomats. And they talk about why they've chosen this route. A couple, they're both CPAs. They're both accountants. And they've decided that dividend investing is the route for them. Yeah, and I think one thing interesting about that that episode too, and in our discussion with them, is you know we kind of threw out there: is it necessary to be a millionaire to to essentially retire early? Which was kind of where they are are looking to head in their career, and and maybe not necessarily completely remove themselves from the workforce altogether, but maybe do something different that might be lower paying or whatever. And, and, and they're kind of both of the impression that, yeah, it's possible. You don't necessarily need to be a millionaire uh, to kind of take a step back. Now, it might be different in different parts of the country for sure, but in where they're living and at their stage of life, they thought, hey, you know what? It, it, I think it is possible. We, we, we'll probably step away before we get there. And, and some of that's due to living in a very frugal lifestyle, maybe in a, in a very inexpensive part of the country. Uh, but also some of it has to do with the mindset that, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it work. doesn't mean I'm never going to earn any money again or do something of value you know, for somebody else where they're going to pay me for it. But the mindset of, yeah, maybe I can retire or do something different. Than I'm, than I'm doing in my high paying or high stress career, which some of these people have pursued to kind of get to that millionaire status. So in episode 45, we had John. John's net worth is $3.1 million. And John was the one that had the Porsche. And uh, he talked about that being kind of one of his, his items that he's always wanted and he bought. 
And uh, we kind of get into a little discussion about that. So yeah, some of these millionaires, contrary to popular belief, might spend a little bit of money. I think he said he paid like $32,000 for it. It was used. Um, But, you know, it's not always, you know, driving beaters forever kind of thing. And he has about 50% in the market and 50% in in, uh, real estate, which is real interesting because he's probably one of the very few millionaires we've interviewed that is uh, chosen to kind of split 50-50. And, and those, the money in the, in the real estate was basically between three rental properties. And then he has two personal residents because of a, an interesting situation with their, uh, work life, uh, which was a kind of interesting conversation that we had with him and the rest of the market or rest of the money that he has invested in the market is in index funds. Yeah. And, and just building off of that, you know, the fire movement <clears throat> has, uh, has, has grown obviously. And, and some of our millionaires interviewed have been part of that movement. And one of the biggest names is, is Mr. 1500, among others. And, you know, it's growing and people are saying, hey, if I reach my goal of, you know, 1.2, 1.52, 2.5, whatever somebody's goal may be, that's when they hit their retirement point. And some of these millionaires we've interviewed had said, hey, that's been my goal and that's what I'm doing. And others have said, hey, I'm not about the fire. You know, my net worth is five million and I don't want to live that lifestyle. I want to, you know, I want to try and go for 10 I want to go for 15. And so we have an interview coming up where there's a, a small business owner. He has multiple small businesses. He's an entrepreneur. And 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 that's his attitude as he says, hey, you know, 1.52. Sure, that's enough money. But, you know, I want to I want to go bigger. I have goals to go bigger. And and it's just been a lesson to us as we've done this podcast that, of course, not everybody thinks alike. There's some that, you know, want to reach their goal and retire and are fine living off 50, 60 a year. And, and there's others that say, Hey, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to live off of 150, 160, 300, 400 a year. And so just to kind of see that dynamic and the difference in these millionaires and and some of them would never spend a portion. And this guy did. So it's just interesting to point out the contrast. So in in episode 46, uh, we have a small business owner with a net worth of 1.5 million. And he also has two rentals on the side. So he's in a, in a, we'll call it a furniture and repair business. He grew up in a middle-class family. He served in the military for four years following high school and, and then studied finance in college. He has about 300 invested in the market, 100,000 in cash, and then 10K in gold and silver. And his rentals are about 1 million. And so it's interesting. We talked to him about growing up in that middle-class family and how that kind of shaped his dynamic of, of – how he sees investing and how he teaches his kids about money. And then of course, on the small business side and, and how much of his small business profits he, he reallocates to his business versus investing in something else. And so that was a, a super interesting interview and, and also about the gold and silver piece. Not many of our millionaires have invested in, in something outside of small business, uh, real estate or the equity, of course, uh, gold and silver here. So an interesting point from him. Yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting about talking with Eric is, you know, a lot of times in, in America, especially we sit, we think of a, an, a business owner as somebody that's got a lavish lifestyle, has got a big business and, and is making lots of money sometimes. And, you know, the reality is a lot of the businesses in this country are, are actually really small and have very, very few employees. And Eric was, a, and, and, and a lot of times start out, you know, barely making very much money. You know, we've got an episode coming up with, with somebody who's a, owns a pharmacy and, you know, she talks about how she's, she's really only making, taking home essentially right now, 40 grand. 
And Eric was no different. You know, he started this business and he grew it. And of course, now he's got a six-figure salary that he takes home out of his business. But it didn't always start that way. And he kind of talked a lot about the grind of, of kind of getting there and picked, and you know, he picked his niche, uh, you know, and, and has a very profitable niche. But, you know, he's not making millions of dollars a year off this business. You know, he's got a very good lifestyle. He's got a very good business that provides a very good income. But it's not a crazy business, you know, that sometimes I think that the media portrays or we, or we think about a lot. You know, in episode 40, 47, we had Jeff, the custodian, which, you know, to date, I think you would agree, Clark, has been one of our most popular episodes. Had a ton of emails on it, had a ton of people ask about it. You know, he's got a $1.4 million net worth. And the interesting thing about, about Jeff, you know, as a custodian is, is he's been working for the same school district for 30 years, making 40K. And so it is pretty remarkable. But it just goes to show that you know, his 40K is less than the mean, you know, the mean income in the United States, right? So he's been able to get there and achieve financial success and, and become a millionaire on, on a less than average salary in this country. And, you know, he's got about a million in retirement. He's got about 180 in home equity. And we talked to Jeff about all sorts of things that he's done throughout his life, whether it was sleeping on a, a couch of a friend's house to, you know, sacrificing the places that he lived in to to get to that point and the interesting thing about all these quote-unquote sacrifices is is we asked him you know do you think you missed out you know you've had opportunities obviously to go and and work in the same type of industry you know whether it be in a corporate setting or something else and make a lot more money and he told us no that he was super content, that he's had a great life, he loves his job, he loves what he do, loves the service he provides for the school district, and he continues to, to save and invest, and he's plenty happy and plenty content with his life, and he makes $40,000 and provides and does everything he needs to with that salary. Yeah, so obviously that was a, a fantastic and popular episode, and, and I remember when we were interviewing him, I said to him, I think near the end of the episode, I said, do you feel like you've sacrificed do you feel like because you've only made 40k and and obviously you haven't you know you're not that's not high income by any means and and do you feel like you sacrificed do you feel like you've given something up and it just stood out to me that he said no I don't feel like I have I don't feel like I've given much up I feel like I've lived a good life I go on vacations I I do what I want to do I'm happily married and and it was just a reminder to me that you know we have people that want to make a lot of money and, and there's no problem there. And there's people that make 40 K and he's content doing it and there's no problem there. And so again, just kind of the whole gamut here of, of high to low and, and what people are looking for out of their life and, and how their happiness levels change. And so just a, a remarkable story uh, again with him. So then kind of going the other way on, on 48, we had a doctor and his net worth is 2.4 million and he overcame $250,000 in debt. And so we talked about that story. And, and of course, there'll be people that, that say, hey, of course, you know, he's making doctor salary now. He's coming out. He's making three, four, five, six hundred thousand, whatever. Of course, he can overcome that debt. But, you know, the thing with doctors, too, is they get a late start on investing. And, you know, even if you start out of school at 50, 60,000, 70,000, you can put money into the markets. You can start investing and these doctors go to med school and then they do residency and then they pay off med school and and oftentimes they have kids in there or if they do med school through the military or they have to go to more school for that and maybe they'll do a specialty. And so 
doctors in a sense get a late start in in comparatively they give up some time but then of course on the back end they get that salary so it was an interesting uh conversation with him and 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 he's probably the most diversified in his holdings of maybe anybody that we've interviewed on the show and so just to run through a few things that he has he has home equity real estate syndications and crowdfunding, taxable investments, just in a traditional uh, investing account. He has IRAs, 529 plans, and HSAs. And he invests primarily in, Van Dyce, in Vanguard index funds. And so just interesting to talk with him about all the different mediums of his investments and why he's chosen to allocate his portfolio that way. Yeah, and in episode 49, we had a guest interview with Coach Carson. And he recently had a book that was released uh, called uh, retire early with real estate. And we actually, you know, caught up with Coach Carson uh, at FinCon and, and discussed with him a little bit about the book and and his, uh, you know, story more than what we had on the podcast. And, you know, he's he's got a great outlook on life. You know, he just got back from taking his family to, to Ecuador and has kind of built his business, uh, you know, from right out of college, really. He, you know, he was a bird dog uh, in, in the real estate world. And, and kind of grew his single family portfolio to where it is today that now allow him to kind of do whatever, whenever he wants to some degree. And it was interesting, we, we talked to him about whether or not it's necessary for somebody who's going to quote unquote retire early or remove themselves from the traditional workforce to, to pay off their mortgage or not. And and he has not. And, and we kind of got in a discussion with him about it and you know, it's it's a great debate amongst a lot of people in in the fire community about whether or not to do that. And that's just an interesting, you know, there's a lot of interesting topics that kind of come up when you're deciding whether or not to retire early. And one of those was, was, uh, you know, whether or not to pay off the mortgage early. Another one is what to do about insurance. And, you know, we've had a lot of feedback too. What about somebody who's going to have more than one or two or three kids or somebody that actually, you know, has a working spouse too? Or how does that all kind of play in? And it's interesting, you know, we've got a couple interviews coming up where somebody's got four kids and we discuss, you know, what they're doing and what their strategies are. Um, you know, and I don't know if they, they really have a, a goal to retire early. They said they didn't really know either, but you know, we get into some of these discussions that are common themes and common issues that people have as they decide when to leave the workforce. And, and we talk a lot about how real estate's been the, the vehicle for Coach Carson and why he chose real estate to be that vehicle for him. Yeah, and just following up there, if, if again, I think we mentioned this in their introduction, but if, if anybody out there has questions that, that you'd like to ask these millionaires, feel free to, to reach out. Our email is millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Several of you have, and, and we try to incorporate some of those questions. We're trying to ask new things and, and kind of get a different perspective from all these people. We don't want to just keep asking the same questions over and over and over again, although, of course, they have different answers and different stories. So in, in some way, it's enlightening, but of course, we want to learn uh, new questions and understand new things from them. One other thing that stood out for me from our interview with Coach Carson, uh, which he talks about in the interview and also in his book, is he kind of highlights different real estate investors. And he talks about how they built up their real estate holdings and, and how much they initially invested. And similar to our, our podcast in a way that we unveil these millionaires and, and see how they've done it. And so that was an interesting piece of the episode with him where he, where he kind of highlights some individuals. So our most recent episode, episode 50, 
uh, one of our higher millionaires, net worth of 4.2 million. We call it military millions and a government pension. And so he's a physician uh, in the military. He blogs at militarymillions.com, known as Still In, is his blogger site. Some of the people that we interviewed don't want to use their real names, but of course, uh, the majority are fine with it. But he served in the military for 17 years, current net worth of 4.2. And he has a government pension, which he values at $1.2 million from working in the military. And, and, and so we talked to him about how that pension's built up, how they kind of allocate that amount, how they decide that amount, and, and what he's able to take and, and when he's able to take that money. He has a paid-off house worth 400000 and he holds over $2 million in traditional investments held primarily in Vanguard index funds and in a couple mutual funds. And so we kind of discussed that allocation, stocks versus bonds, domestic versus international. He's 80-20 split uh, stocks and bonds and then split again between uh, domestic and international. And so really unveil his portfolio there. And uh, again, $4.2 million on military millions is our last episode. So just to recap, that's eighteen point seven million was the net worth combined of, the, of these last millionaires, this group of millionaires, and uh, you know we're really excited for a lot of things that we have in the pipeline for the show. You know we're coming up on our year mark, which is real exciting for us. We've got some big name guest interviews coming up. You know we did an interview with Robert Kiyosaki that's going to be released in the near future. Also Jamie Masters from Eventual Millionaire uh, that's coming in the future. And for those of you that may not know her. Uh, you know, she, she has a podcast and, and a coaching business and she has interviewed over 500 millionaires, primarily all uh, entrepreneurs and business owners. So we kind of get into a a discussion with her, which is really interesting from a different take because, you know, we, we've interviewed a few business owners, but a lot of our, our millionaires have, have definitely been, uh, either high, high income earners or, or W2, uh, earners. And we also have Tom Realwright, who happens to be a Robert Kiyosaki CPA over the years and has, has been a, a rich dad advisor. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure most people do by now, but Robert Kiyosaki wrote the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. And uh, we have him on the show, and we discuss some, some interesting topics surrounding tax law and, and tax changes and things that, you know, people that are being smart with their money that are trying to achieve millionaire status should be thinking about and doing uh, at the moment right now. Yeah, so excited about where things are headed. Again, our 50th episode coming up on one year, continually trying to make the podcast better. Uh, if you have ideas, improvements, let us know. We're, we're, we're continually trying to improve things. And and we've got you know a great uh, pipeline of millionaires. So as Jay said, $100 million uh, already interviewed, 18.7 in this last batch about 28, 25 to 30, 28 or so in, in, the, in the previous batches and uh, excited about our future guests, our future millionaires. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us get out there, helps us to, to reach some people and, and to grow the show. So again, thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast and we'll catch you on next week's episode. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.